Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I'm very happy to welcome back Nick Whittem who is co-owner of Banyan Retreat in the UK, specializing in spiritual mediumship development and natural healing modalities. Now semi-retired and making classes available online now that Banyan Retreat Center has closed due to the COVID pandemic. Nick has returned to the Northwest of England close to where he grew up and has settled with his partner, Stephen and dog, where they enjoy the beautiful countryside surrounding their new home. Born into a family of healers and developing his own healing ability from around the age of 15, Nick has a great understanding of healing and communication with the spirit world. He is now offering online healing classes to people from all around the world, and he loves to share his understanding of healing who all share this interest. Today, we're going to talk about Soul Quest, which he open, he offers every Sunday, an online contempl- contemplation, um, beautiful session where participants channel healing energy for peace and the benefit of humanity and Mother Earth. And there's a lot more to be said, but we are going to be talking about all of that today. You are the co-chair of the Spiritual Truth Foundation, which we'll talk about today also. And the beautiful charity, um, Dizen, how do you spell the charity again? Dizenzel? Mouse Children's Hospice. Yes, yes. I want to talk to you more about that. So welcome back to the program, Nick. Thank you very much. And thank you for that wonderful introduction. <laughs> You're such, welcome. And yeah, I have your pleasure to be here. Good. I have your brand new book here, which I'm so excited about Science and Spirit, a Healing Journey. After all the many years you have been doing this, to now have it to share with the world in, in a book um, that's, that's wonderful. So, congratulations on that. So, Thank let's you. start at the beginning when you were a child. Um, how did all this begin? Well, I was born into a into a family of healers. My my mother was a Reiki healer, and my father was uh, a a trance healer. Uh, uh, he did a lot of work at the um, spiritualist churches, and uh, he sat in a development circle to develop his own uh, healing abilities and mediumistic abilities. Um, and when I was about seven years old, uh, he'd injured his back at, at, at work, and the medium of the circle came over to our house uh, to give him healing. Uh, she was a, a, a trans medium, an, an excellent trans medium, who had many, many spirit entities who worked with her. <clears throat> but for healing, it was an African Zulu gentleman, a, a medicine man, uh, who would entrance her. 
And during, during this session that I remember so vividly, um, he would cup his hands sort of like this, and he would be blowing uh, into my father's back. And of course, I was seven years old. I found this highly amusing. I thought, what on earth is he doing? <laughs> um, and it really sort of piqued my interest. And, and from that point on, I paid much more interest in his visits and also when other people came for Healy um, to, to the house. And I had frequent conversations with other uh, spirit entities through the medium of the circle. And when I was about 15 years old, um, we were having a conversation one day and the, the, the spirit entity said to me, um, so what do you plan to do with your life? And I'd really been thinking about that in, in recent weeks and months, uh, just prior to this conversation. And I said, I think I'd really like to do some work for the spirit world. Um, I'd like to be involved. I'd like to contribute, ideally to be a medium. And uh, he said to me, good. He said, but not yet. He said, go away, live your life, enjoy your life. He said, and there'll come a time when you work for my world. He said, but that time isn't yet. And I moved to, I moved to London and I, I worked in various places and eventually uh, I worked for um, uh, an American investment uh, company and I was based in Hong Kong. And there came a point where things were about to change and I had opportunities that I could take advantage of in, in many parts of the world, in Australia, the UK, uh, the US, pretty much wherever I wanted. And I came home and I asked him for some guidance. And I said, look, here, here are my options and I'm not quite sure what to do. And he said, well, let me tell you. He said, you recall the conversation we had when I told you to go away and, and um, enjoy your life, have a, you know, have a working life first. And he said, well, we're at that point now where it's time for you to come home and work for my world. And that's pretty much what happened. Um, I came back and in, in the months prior to that, I've been having dreams about Banyan, um, the, the, the physical aspects of, of Banyan, uh, as opposed to its actual location. Uh, and when S Stephen and I were looking for a, for a venue, we spent about three years trying to find the right place. Uh, we probably found it earlier, but we were looking in the wrong direction. Uh, we came across Banyan and we walked in there and I was recognizing different aspects from what I'd seen in my, in my dreams. And I said to him, this is, this is the place. And within a matter of months, um, we'd moved in there. I was still working in the city um, because there was lots of preparation to be done there. So I still needed an income for, for a little while, uh, but eventually that faded away and we arrived at Banyan. But of course, there were there were many, many things that took place throughout the middle part of that period in the in the gap that I that I haven't covered. Um, part of which 
was when I was when I first moved to London and I was working in London I met a wonderful wonderful medium called um, at that time she was Colette Simpson uh, later to become uh, Colette Brewerton and she lived in a small flat in, in Highgate in London and we would sit in development each week we'd have queues of people on a Wednesday evening who would come for healing and they would come in and out um, a little bit like a, a conveyor system really with people coming and going um, hundreds of people with any all different types of conditions that were in need of healing and we dedicated as much time as we possibly could to um to working with those people uh, and after that we were sitting in the development circle and we'd receive guidance she, she was also a very good trans medium and a lot of her communicators would come forward and give us guidance and, and advice and also around that time um Colette asked us to go and visit this this young child who was suffering with leukemia and two or three times a week we would go and visit and give healing and probably within about four three or four months um, it became quite obvious that this child was getting more and more ill and it, it eventually passed to the spirit world and I had a real hard time with that. I couldn't understand how this God um, that we have would allow this to happen. And I was quite angry with him at the time. And I then figured that being angry wasn't uh, a particularly good situation to be in. And perhaps I should uh, begin to explore and understand far more than I than I had. And it was really at that point in time where I discovered Silver Birch, uh, the teachings of Silver Birch. Uh, Silver Birch was the communicator through, um, who at that time was the editor of the Psychic News here in the UK. Um, he was a, a Jewish gentleman who, who came from the East End of London, didn't really, um understand about uh spiritualism or the work that he was about to get involved in and he was invited to a to a circle one evening and thought he'd fallen asleep but when he came back he was told that he'd been entranced and he was giving uh, wonderful communication and that was the start of of his development and his journey and the teachings of, of silver birch which are now all managed by the Spiritual Truth Foundation. So reading as much as I could, uh, I, was, I was working in the city at the time and there was a, a wonderful bookstore just opposite um, the museum in, in London, the British Museum. And every Wednesday I, I'd walk up to this bookshop I think it was called the Aquarius bookshop or something. And I buy a, a new silver birch book and I spend the, the, the whole week reading it and couldn't wait for the next week to go and buy, go and buy another one. And silver birch taught me 
a huge amount that, I, that I'd never taken into consideration before. And even today, I can still read those Silver Birch books uh, and I get so much from them still um, because the, 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 the ageless, timeless philosophy that he gave all those years ago is as relevant today as it was the time he gave it. Uh, and you, you, can, you really can just learn so, so much. And that's really how I became involved with, um, or how I got to know a little, a lot, or a little to a lot more about um, Silver Birch. And of course, many, many years passed out, uh, after that. And probably about five or six years ago, I was, I was invited by a very good friend of mine uh, to become a trustee of the Spiritual Truth Foundation. And things progressed, I got more and more involved and now take care of um, most of the, the, the accounting side of things, the distribution of the books. Uh, and of course, I'm co-chair with um, my colleagues. And it really now occupies a significant part of my life. Very recently, we, we launched a new website, um, which contains all the journals to the Noah's Ark Society. Uh, the Noah's Ark Society back in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, was a, a, had a very heavy focus on physical mediumship uh, and what was happening in the day. Um, now that all those journals are available, it's the Noah's Ark Society archive.org. <clears throat> and you can read about everything that was happening in physical circles pretty much around the world at that time. So that was a really interesting project for me too, because I have a huge interest in physical mediumship. And currently we're working on yet another um, website, which contains a lot of information from and a lot of copies of the American publication Psychic Observer and Chimes Magazine. And that's going to be, um, that's going to be announced sometime over, uh, sometime a little later this month. And you can go back and you can read um, the newspaper articles in, in that magazine from around about 1934, right through to um, more recent times. Uh, there, there's full copies of most of them with a huge amount of information. Uh, and I'm, I'm loving going through them and, and learning so much more because of course we know a lot about the UK pioneers of mediumship, um, but we're not taught very much over here about the American pioneers, apart from, you know, sort of um, the, 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 the better known ones, the, you know, the Bang sisters and um, people of that, that ill, the, the other, um, lesser known mediums that are not really spoken of very much over here. So it's a huge archive and with, with a, an enormous amount of information um, for people to, to, to read and to, and to absorb. So I'm really enjoying that at the moment. Mm -hmm. And as I said, that will be made available a little later this month. Wow, what, what a lot of great information. 
um, I ran out and, well, didn't run out, I did it online, but I bought five books from Silver Birch after I heard an interview of yours. I got the little book series and um, I'm really enjoying enjoying reading those. So back to the little girl with leukemia and <clears throat> and just being so devastated by that. I, I heard you say in another interview that you learned, and I assume it is from Silver Birch, that is a question I have, is that you say that it's the soul's decision when it's time to transition, all the healing in the world won't change that. So when, how did that realization come, come to be? Was it through the teachings? No, it wasn't actually. That was more recent events when uh, a very good friend of mine was, was, was quite ill. And I, we were told in, in confidence by um, communicators in the circle in which I sat that the, the decision had been made um, at the soul level that um, things would present themselves over the coming weeks and, and the decision had been made for um, the soul to, to migrate to the spirit world. Now, of course, once that decision is made by the soul, there's a period of time um, that the where the body begins to, to shut down and to prepare for that transition. Now, I think it's really important to mention here that although uh, I said that all the healing in the world will not stop that transition, uh, it's still equally as important to continue with the healing because that healing will aid in the smoother transition of that soul to the to the spirit world um so so yes healing shouldn't stop and, and i also um i also believe and i've been told by friends in, in the spirit world that the soul is aware that it's going to transition probably about six weeks prior uh, sorry at least six weeks prior to it actually transitioning Sometimes, and that's even the case in, in incidents of, of fatal accidents where we think they are instantaneous, that, you know, they're instant accidents, but um, they, they also tell us that accidents are actually just a result of cause and effect. And although we may see them as, as accident, they are known in advance by the soul. And it's also quite possible for the spirit world to take the soul before, you know, I, for an example, if someone is in a fall and it's obvious that they, that they are not going to survive that fall uh, because it's from such a great height, they can actually take the soul prior to the impact so that they are spared um, that experience, if you like. Yes. yes. So from what you've been told, what I hear you saying is that there's a divine plan for everyone and including the time that one transitions. I think my friends in the spirit world would disagree with um, divine 
plan as such, because then we think that our lives have a, a blueprint and we're also told that that isn't the case. Um, but they can see just a little further ahead than we can. And the soul is obviously aware of its demise at least six weeks prior to, 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 to those events. Right, right. Interesting. So let's um, segue a little bit <clears throat> and talk about your beautiful new book and all of the all of the healing that that you've done and you talk about in your book how first of all why did you finally decide to write this book and also I'd love to I'm sure the listeners and I would love to hear how can one learn to to heal themselves or begin that process okay <clears throat> let's start with I mean I've been, as I, as I mentioned, I've been healing for many, many years, and I've researched many healing modalities along the way. A lot of them have connection with energy medicine, um, and uh, uh, many of them I mention in the book. Going way back as far as uh, Dr. Royal Rife in the States in the in the 20s, 30s, 40s, when he was curing cancer in people, um, in, in groups of people, not just individuals, and basically using the, the, the same methodology that, that we use in healing today. Everything in the physical world has a vibration. And the diseased cells and the disease and so the viruses within our bodies have a vibration. And if you can find a frequency that resonates with that same vibration, it will destroy the virus in exactly the same way that the opera singer, when when their voice resonates with the glass, the glass will shatter. Exactly the same principle with diseased cells in the body. And Rife grasped that and was able to use his frequent machine, frequency machine uh, to, to cure any number of ailments um, many, many, many years ago. And then of course, the establishment found out and weren't happy and closed him down. But that principle of healing is really, as my, as my knowledge grew about healing, exactly the same principle is used. Um, I got very involved in, in the work of uh, Dr. Harry Elfield and his electrocrystal therapy. Um, a number of years ago, I was, I was diagnosed uh, with, with diabetes and I was given statins, as is the the way these days and within probably about two possibly just over two months my energy began began to to dissipate and I I was finding it difficult to stand difficult to walk um <clears throat> and really didn't know what was going on but I knew instinctively that it was these drugs that were causing the problem and I went back to the doctor and he said, yeah, 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 no problem. Keep trying them. You'll be fine. And it reached a point where one day I couldn't stand up. 
And again, I knew instinctively it was these drugs. And I, and I said to the doctor, okay, that's it. I'm not taking them anymore. And, and I stopped. And it took me a number of months to actually recover from that. But I did recover. I, I felt very much as I was going to have a, a heart attack because the heart is a muscle. And as the muscle enzymes were being destroyed by statins, um, I was just losing all my strength. And as part of that experience, I, I needed something that was going to help me to recover. And that's when I discovered Harry's work, got very much involved in the electrical therapy and uh, his diagnostic system, the, the, the biofield viewer or the polycontrast in interference photography, as it was called at the time. And realized again that it was using that same principle of frequency to destroy whatever condition was present, finding the right frequency to, to, to make that effect. And in more recent times, talking to my friends in the spirit world, um, I've asked a couple of them for a detailed explanation of what actually happens when we're channeling um, healing to, to, to somebody who's in need. And one of them gave a very elaborate uh, description, which is detailed in the book. Uh, but he said, the healer is only the channel for that healing energy that's brought by the people who work with that healer in the spirit world. Not only is it uh, is the healing channeled by the person in the spirit world and the, the, the instrument, the, the, the medium themselves, the, the healer, it also relies heavily on other people connected to the person being healed in the spirit world. They gather, they gather around in a large group. There are many people involved and they channel healing directly to that individual. If it can, if the outcome can be changed and the condition can be um, removed, then the person will recover. But there are instances, the, the, the human body is very fragile. And there are instances where sometimes that just isn't possible and the inevitable will happen. So I was able to sort of join the dots at that point. Uh, and I I'd also read some of the, the teachings of, of, of Silver Birch, who also detailed exactly the same thing, pretty much word for word and also the teachings of Red Cloud um, through one of the UK's greatest mediums, Estelle Roberts. Um, there was a, all these aspects were coming together and I was beginning to, to realize that they were all telling me the same thing. I've taught healing probably for the past 15, at least the past 15 years um, and obviously been here for much longer than that. And when Banyan closed as a, 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 a centre for people to come together, I knew that my opportunities for healing were going to be somewhat limited. And yes, I can do those online. 
I can offer healing courses online, but I can't actually teach people hands-on healing. Um, it, you, it's just not possible via Zoom. Um, so I needed to get all that information that I managed to pull together and tie together in my head on paper to share with others. And I'm not, I, to be honest, I, I don't care if it only goes out to a handful, if it's only sold to a handful of people, it doesn't matter. The information is there and it's there to be shared. And I'm sure I leave it to the spirit world. For those who are interested, they'll be, they will find the book and they will absorb the knowledge that's contained within it. Um, so really, it's the sum of, of my knowledge as of this point in time. And for me, it was important um, that I had that um, for, for people to understand. Bringing together what many people have said in the past into one book. Um, so hopefully all those different, they can read about all those different aspects as I detail them in the book. And by the end of it, they will grasp that concept and fully understand or understand as much as I do. I, I, I'm sure I only know very, uh, the, the tip of the iceberg about healing. Um, there's much, much, much more to learn, um, but at least that little bit I can bring together and I can share with people. Well, it's such a beautiful book. I will show it again. And it's what's so what I love about it is that it's for beginners or people who are already involved in the healing, healing field. And it's so readable. It's, um, it's just a, a great, a great book. Um, I wanted to ask you, it's so interesting listening to you talk because the Western world has just become so, it seems like we've gone backwards, you know, away from, from all the things you're talking about. And I do think that things are changing and I'd like to know your thoughts on that, but you just, when you speak, it's just with such a knowing. And is it just after all these years and have you seen so so much over and over and you just how is it that you came just to have this knowing this surrender really going back to when i i first read the silver birch books the more i read the more i wanted to know and the more i knew that there was far more to life than what I was able to physically touch here. Mm. Um, I'd, I was fortunate that I was, I was brought up in a family of believers yes. and communicators. And from the very early age, having had that communication with the, with the spirit world um, gave me such a good grounding to, 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 to start that, that work from. And over the years, I've been fortunate enough to be involved in, in different circles and being involved with um, greater aspects of, of spiritualism or mediumship that over the years, 
um, it, it, it ceased to be, is it possible that these things are there? Uh, because they were actually part of my life. Yes. I, I spent more of my life speaking to dead people than I did speaking to the living, um, which, which is quite bizarre. But there's a difference. Um, and when you speak to the spirit world, and you, it's really the spirit world, you receive so much more than that you, you you feel the presence of those people and i probably have now a, a good handful of friends in the spirit world that i've never met in this world who i feel so close to um i'm fortunate enough to be able to speak to them in my mind and yeah. if i'm very lucky i can hear their responses and if I'm not in the right headspace, then it probably goes um, out of the window. And they're probably as frustrated with me at that point in time as, as, as I can be at trying to absorb that, that information. But I've listened to the teachings and I've read many books and it's now just an accepted part of my life that will nobody will ever convince me um, that it's any other way. There were, there were events that took place during my late teens when I, when I first moved to London. Um, and I was, I was feeling quite homesick and I wasn't quite sure where I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. And I'd already started development um, to a certain degree and I, I, I'd lie on my bed in the evening and I would feel the presence of the spirit world drawing very close to me. <clears throat> and I went home and was having a chat one day with um, the, the leader of, of my father's circle. And he said, now, when you lie on the bed at night, he said, you will feel your legs. It, they'll, they'll feel like they're burning. And I said, yes, that's right, I do. When I close my eyes and I invited us for a while. He said, well, I want you to know that that's me. He said, when you feel that sensation in your legs, know that it's me. And that was such a great comfort um, because I could do that anytime. Anytime I felt a little bit lower, I was a little bit homesick, I'd go lie down, I'd think of that and, and it would be there. It didn't last for very long. And, I, and for one reason or another, my development was interrupted uh, from time to time through, throughout those years. Um, but again, when Stephen and I opened Banyan uh, and we started getting get involved in, in physical mediumship, um, one of the mediums came to visit one day and uh, the, the day that he arrived, one of our large dogs passed to the spirit world. He was... He was only about six or seven years old, but he was about 55 kilos. He was a big dog. And he passed the spirit world. And in the seance that took place the following evening, he rematerialized in the seance, came out of the cabinet, walked over to me and barked. 
He then walked over to Stephen and Bart and then went back to the cabinet. Now, you have dogs, you know that you recognise their bark. Yes. In addition to that, we had um, wooden flooring in the in the centre at that time, because in, in those days, we didn't have the dedicated room. We used to hold the sittings in the reception area. And you could hear his, his claws as he walked on the floor in, in the reception room uh, before he disappeared. And that was 17 hours after he passed. So as emotional as that was, from that point forward, you know, it really just confirmed everything that I believed and nothing will ever change my mind um, that, you know, about where we go when it's time to close our eyes to, to the physical world. And where do we go? I mean, we go to the spirit world, but what is, what have you been told that that's what it's like? There are many, there are many different um, views because everybody views the spirit world differently. Um, what, what I've learned from the people that have spoken to us over the years is that um, we go to what's termed as the, 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 the place of familiarity. Um, it is within the spirit world, but it's probably the, the, the densest place of matter within there where things are very similar to the world that we're, that we're used to here. And within that environment, you can, you can create your own reality and you can stay there for as, for as long as you like. Now, Maurice Barbonell, when he passed to the spirit world, uh, he communicated his thoughts, uh, which are written in a book, the name of which slips my mind at the moment. Uh, but he said, you have to be very careful when you arrive in the spirit world because you can get lost in your own reality. And what he meant by that was you create this reality and you become so immersed in it that it keeps you there and you can, but the reality is you, you can stay there for as long as you like. Uh, people, people talk about getting lost in the spirit world. I, I don't think anybody gets lost. Um, they may choose to stay in that environment mm -hmm. for an extended period of time um, because they're comfortable with it. They may want to wait for others to join them. Um, who they're, you know, who they're, they're, they're love ties to or family ties to. Um, and we're told it's a place of love. There's no place for, um, for hatred. Uh, but the one, the one thing that does um, make me smile every time I think about it is that we're able to communicate directly with our, with our animal friends when we go to the spirit world because they work on the vibration of thought. Um, they hear thoughts and of course we can communicate with, with, with our pets, our animals in exactly the same way. And that's one thing that I dearly look forward to when I, yes. when I get to the spirit world. Uh, me too. Yes. I, I've interviewed a few animal communicators and that's how they, that's how they communicate with animals, telepathy and, 
and we, Daisy, um, our oldest dog, she sees spirit all the time. I mean, my daughter and I are always, just last night, it's like Daisy seeing spirit. She just like looks around and it's just, it's just very cool. But I look forward to that too. So. Absolutely. Well, Nick, we need to wrap it up. But before we do, I want you just to um, briefly talk about Soul Quest. And then I wanted to talk about the children's hospital that, or hospice that you, where you um, raise, raise funds for them and do work for them. Very good. Well, SoulQuest um, Soul was brought to us by um, the communicator of, of a good friend of ours. And the, the communicator was called Morning Star. And shortly after we opened Banyan, uh, Morning Star came to address a, a small group of people at Banyan. And he said to us, Within your world, he said, there are many mediums who bring messages of comfort to people within your world. And he said, and that's wonderful. But what we need is a small group of people to sit, excuse me, to, to channel love and energy for us to use for the benefit, for the benefit of earth, for the benefit of mankind and um, and things of that nature. So we started to sit, we used to sit once a month, the first Sunday of each month. And on occasions, Morning Star would come and address us and, and, and tell us how things were progressing, how the energy was being used. And of course, and then that happened for about 10 years and then COVID came along and we decided we should do that every Sunday because there was a greater need. There were far more people in need of, um, of healing at that time. Um, the virus needed to come under control. So we, we, we felt it necessary to sit uh, at least once a week. And we continue to do that. We, we sit, we have a contemplation. Uh, my inspirers come and they'll, they'll say a few words at the beginning. And then we just sit in contemplation for a period of time. Um, it's more important, I think, at the moment. We, we, we seem to now be getting COVID under control, but we now have um, warmongers who, who are keen to cause destruction in, in certain parts of the world. And it's equally important that we go forward with even more healing um, to settle those minds and to bring healing to all those who are suffering as a result of that. So <clears throat> SoulQuest is going to be with us for a little while. I, I see in the forms of time that it may drop back to, to being once a month, but not until we've met the need of, of, of what's taking place here at the moment. Uh, there have been, over the years, there have been many, many experiments um, that have been done, intention experiments by uh, a number of people. And they find that the, the greater the number of people you bring together and focus on one thing can bring about huge influence um, to that thing. And that's really what SoulQuest is all about. It, it's three o'clock UK time every Sunday. Um, if you like, you can go to SoulQuest org.uk and you'll find all the details there it's via zoom and um, <clears throat> we'll continue that for for as long as we can 
It's interesting you said that because just a few days ago, I interviewed Roger Nelson, who's at Princeton, a professor, and um, he has he works within the Global Consciousness Project, or he actually started that, and it's all about um, the scientific um, part of bringing all this energy together and what can, and it truly does change the... Um, just globally it just changes the consciousness, consciousness. And the energy yes and raises the vibration yeah yeah absolutely Fa fascinating yes fascinating it really research. is it is and um and just briefly a little bit about the children's hospice where you work okay when when we started um when we started to, to hold physical sittings at, at Banyan, uh, around about Christmas time, there was very special events where we'd ask the sitters to bring along toys um, for the children. <clears throat> and the spirit world would bring forward um, children who hadn't had um, the Christmas experience that, that many of us are fortunate enough to have had. Uh, and they would bring them forward, they would materialize uh, in the sounds room and they would rip the paper off these presents and have the time of their life. The scientists in the spirit world were able to take very copies of the toys that they could actually take back with them. And of course, these toys had been touched by the spirit world. Um, so they had an energy that was quite unique and we wanted to be able to do something special with them. And we thought, well, what better than to donate them to the children at the hospice. Now, Demelza Hospice for, for, for Children, um, they have round about, they work with around about 600 uh, children, the majority of whom are, are terminally ill. And we also receive lots of donations at, at, those, at those sittings. So over the Christmas period each year, um, we collect as much as we can in donations. Um, we do various online events with, um, usually with the, the, the Austin Wish Circle, and all that money would go directly to the, to, to the children's hospice. Uh, Steve and I had the great pleasure in delivering all the toys each year, which actually towards the end began to get a little bit out of control because we were taking something like 10 or, 10 or 12 sacks of toys um, to, the, to the children's hospice. And they said, if there was any way that you could actually bring cash instead of the toys, um, we, we, we very much appreciate it. And of course, that became much more of a need in recent times because mo most of the fundraising events were not possible because of COVID. Uh, and we have continued to do that each year and will continue to do it for as, for as long as we possibly can. Uh, a charity very, very dear to my heart. Um, there's also a, a, a very similar establishment very close to us here um, called Darien House um, that my parents were very much involved with when, um, when they were alive. They would raise funds and do things for, for them too. So um, very, very important um, that, that, we, that we take care and do whatever we can um, for those souls who, who are only here um, for a brief for a brief period of time. Well, thank you for that, and and people can find out on your website how to donate if they'd like, and 
We'll talk about that in one second. Do you have any words of wisdom you'd like to close with today? Goodness. One that, that is mentioned by many, many people, but I believe to be so true, to live for today, live for the moment, because you can't change what's gone in the past, and we have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. So no point in worrying about tomorrow. Just live for today and enjoy life as best you can. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. And if people want to find you, Nick, how would they do that? Okay. Anybody that would like to join us for SoulQuest, it is www.soulquest.org.uk. Um, if anybody's interested in purchasing a, purchasing a copy of my book, they can do that preferably via um, the Spiritual Truth Foundation. So that is www spiritualtruthfoundation.org and you can place orders there or alternatively it is uh, available on Amazon but we'd much prefer you to buy it from the directly from the website because the funds from the sales of all the Silver Birch books they go to the um, Spiritual Truth Foundation which looks after spiritualists who fall on hard times um. so it's a, it's a non-profit organization. All the funds go back into supporting mediums who've served um, the, the, the spiritualist movements in their life who are in need of a little bit of help at the end of their days. And those were Maurice Barbonell's wishes. And we honor them today uh, as much as we are possibly able to do. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And it's so great to see you again. And thank you for all your, all your valuable information and your, once again, your beautiful book, Science and Spirit, A Healing Journey. Thank you, Marla. It's lovely to be invited back and I really enjoyed talking to you. Yes, yes. You take care and have a great rest of the day. And you. Okay. Thanks ever so much, Marla. Thank Bye you. for now. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.